Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, our senior pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, brings a message that he preached on his anniversary at First Baptist entitled, An Admonition of Encouragement. But first, we have asked John to step into the studio to say some words about his father and his ministry. Welcome, John. Well, Rick, it's an honor for me to get to be in the studio today, and the sermon we're going to be listening to is the sermon that my dad preached at the First Baptist Church in Pasadena on his 33rd anniversary as pastor of the church. And so we're going to be hearing some of the things that he shared in that sermon just from a pastor's heart. And what I wanted to do before we listen to that message is to take just a moment and to try briefly to answer this question. How do you know where God wants you to be in your life? How do you know God's will for your life? You know, we think about a pastor being at a church for 33 years. That is a, that is a long time, and it takes the blessing of God. It takes a loving congregation, and it takes a faithful pastor in order for that to happen. But, you know, as I look back on my dad's life, this is the fourth church that he has pastored. It's the third church that he's pastored since he graduated from seminary, and then while he was in seminary, he was the assistant pastor of another church. But I want to just share this today because I think it might be a blessing somebody who's listening. Earlier in my dad's life, when after he graduated from seminary, he went, and our family went, to Tennessee, and he pastored a church in East Tennessee, a wonderful church, for eight and a half years. And towards the end of our time in Tennessee— it was kind of like, in, in my dad's heart, that he felt like the cloud was moving from where we were in East Tennessee to a church in East Texas. And so our family ended up moving from Lenore City, Tennessee to Sulphur Springs, Texas. And for eight and a half years, he pastored the First Baptist Church there. And both churches were wonderful experiences for our family, and God blessed the church during those years. But as he was coming to the end of his time in Sulphur Springs, it's like he felt in his spirit the cloud was moving. He didn't know where it might be moving to, but he just had in his spirit that, that God might be leading him somewhere else. And, and indeed, the cloud was moving, and it moved to Pasadena, Texas. We're right outside of Houston. And for the last 33 years, he's been the pastor here. So I tell that to say, in the Old Testament, we read that as the children of Israel were trying to follow God in the wilderness, they, try, they were trying to know when, when should we move? When should we uh, set up camp and stay where we are? When should we pack up our camp and move somewhere else? And God said, here's how you're going to know when to stay and when to go. I'm going to put a cloud over you. And as long as that cloud stays over you, you just stay right where you are. But when the cloud moves, you move. And God gave very specific instructions. And again, he was saying, when the cloud stays, you stay. When the cloud moves, you move. And as I think about my dad's ministry, I have just seen it both ways. I've seen the cloud move, and for the last 33 years, we have seen the cloud remain over the First Baptist Church of Pasadena, Texas. And the desire of his heart has always been to be under that cloud. And so I want to encourage you today, before we listen to this message, as you think about your own life, do you feel like that maybe the cloud is moving? Maybe you've been doing something for a long time or working in a position 
or in a job for a long time, but maybe you just feel restless and and maybe you just feel like maybe God has something different for me to do, or maybe even somewhere else for me to go. Maybe God's giving you a release. You know, I've always thought that before God moves us to another place, before he opens the door for us to go to another place, he has to give us a release from the place where we currently are. Maybe that's your case today, or maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe you're, maybe you would say today, no, I really feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is where God wants me to be. I don't feel a release, but I just, I feel like it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's not easy. I kind of like I've hit a wall where I am, but that said, I still feel like I'm where God wants me to be. Well, for you, the cloud is still there. And so I would encourage you to stay under that cloud. And all of us in our lives, if we can just follow the cloud, if it moves, we move. If it stays, we stay. And so today, as my dad shares, you're hearing today from a man who's under the cloud preaching to his congregation. Get your Bible out and open the book of Colossians. We're going to have to uh, kind of adjust a little bit. In the book of Colossians, I'm going to show you a verse in a moment, but I want you to remember something if you forget everything else about my sermon today. Listen, this is very important. When you're reading your Bible, when you're reading your Bible, remember this. It, it being the Bible, was not written to you. It was written for you. Now, that's very, very important. If you miss that, Bible reading will be just, you read something and mark off, I read it, and tomorrow you mark off, I read it. No, no. For example, the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to believers in Colossae, the church there, and he wrote them this letter. That's who he wrote it to. But the Holy Spirit inspired him in what he wrote to them for us. And if you don't get that, Bible reading is really kind of a routine thing. You know, it's just something you do, and you just really miss the blessing. Now, having said that, some weeks ago, I was just in my daily Bible reading. Now, my daily Bible reading and my sermon preparation are two different things. Different preachers do it different ways. I've found the best way for me is I, I don't want my daily Bible reading to be a sermon preparation time. I want it to be for me. And then when I prepare to preach, I'm studying and I'm doing things to prepare a sermon to preach. I'm blessed doing that, but it's different. I'm reading in the book of Colossians. Come to the end almost of the little book. And look with me in verse 17. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Whatever translation you have, you can relate. But I read this verse, and here's what Paul wrote to the believers in Colossae. He said, say to Archippus, Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. So there was a man in the church in Colossae named Archippus. He, he either was the pastor or he was some worker and leader in the church. And what Paul said was, I want you to tell him to be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave. And when I read that, I thought, there's a verse over in 2 Timothy. We'll not turn to it. But in 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, also in verse 5, where Paul wrote to young Timothy, his son in the ministry, and in that one verse, he, out, he, he gave him a little list of things to do. And on the end of that list, almost identically, he said to him, 
fulfill your ministry. You know, when I read that verse, it was like it was like it just jumped up and spoke to me. It was like God saying to me, he said, here's what I have for you. You do the very same thing Paul encouraged Acrippus to do. You, what is it? Carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. And I began to think about that. And as more I thought about it, I began to ask myself, why would, why would Paul tell them to tell him to carry out the ministry that God had given him. And I really think the reason, well, maybe the Apostle Paul knew that he would need encouragement. If you've got, if you have a bulletin, you might want to take your bulletin and jot in the little word. Every person, every person trying to serve God needs encouragement. So whatever you're doing, like the students, if you're trying to be a witness for Christ to your friends in school, or maybe you have the opportunity to tell some friend how to be a Christian. You've been thinking about doing that. No matter what we're trying to do, it's not just for a pastor. For all Christians, when you're trying to serve God in whatever way it is, listen to me carefully, you will need encouragement. And the Apostle Paul knew that well because in his ministry, he had experienced enormous discouragement. On the screen, I'm going to give you a little verse to jot down. In 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we won't turn to it for time's sake. Begin in verse 23. It's a list of things the Apostle Paul said he went through. Now, if you read that list, it would not be something to say to someone thinking about serving God. Say, look, if you want to serve God, <laughs> here, here's what you get. I mean, he just tells about all these things, bad things that had happened to him. How he was beaten, how he was stoned, how he went without food, uh, how he was out at sea, and uh, he felt like he was going to die. And he tells all these things. So the Apostle Paul knew all about discouragement. And I'm saying to you today, when you're trying to do something for God, no matter what it is, you will always find there'll be discouragement out there. And the reason is the devil does not want you to serve God. That's it. And he'll find somebody, he'll find something, he'll find something to bring discouragement. Now, I've been in the ministry. I've been a minister 55 and a half years. I've been at this church 33 years today. And in my 33 years here, like every minister everywhere, I have experienced discouragement. And if you've seriously been trying to serve God, things are going to happen that are going to discourage you. You know, you would think the more you tried to serve God, the more wonderful it would be. Well, it doesn't work out that way. You just need to know on the front end, the more you're trying to do something, especially as it relates to souls, you're going to experience various things to be discouraging. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've experienced. If I wrote down all the things that I could remember that have discouraged me here, and I wouldn't want to do that, but if I did, and I wrote them down, and then I stood back and thought a little bit about all the things I've experienced in my 33 years here that have encouraged me, my encouragement list would far outweigh my discouragement list. And that's true for me, and that's true for you. So many things have happened in these 33 years here that have and still do encourage me. For example, the faithfulness of the people. Our people have been a faithful people. 
during a lot of different things, and your faithfulness. I've been here enough years, I could just, I, I could just think of so many of our members who've been through so many things, but yet they just stayed faithful, and that faithfulness is just such an encouragement to a pastor, wherever the pastor is. Not only that, your faithfulness in tithes and offerings. For those of you that are new in the church, or relatively so, you know, we come see all this all these buildings out here. Well, it used not to be like this. We first had to buy the land that these buildings were going to go on. And when we bought the land, it cost $1.9 million. Then we built phase one, it cost $8.6 million. Then we built phase two, it cost $17.5 million. Then we built phase three, it cost $26.8 million. Then we had to build some parking lots, a north parking lot, 269000 The little fellowship loop lot out there, 224000 The northwest corner lot out here, 339000 And the storage building, I mean, you didn't even know we had a storage building. I'm so proud of it. In fact, one Sunday, I just love to take people and show them the storage building. Nobody wants to see it. But I just love that we have the, we may not have the best of everything. We have the best storage building of any church in the world, I would believe. Uh, we need to have an open house some Sunday and let you see the storage building. It costs $267,000. Bottom line is all of this cost $55,964,405. Now listen carefully. On June the 12th, 2017, all of it was paid for. Praise God. You talk about faithfulness. You say, well, there must be some real heavy givers in the church, and they wrote big checks for me. No, no. It was just God's faithful people, week after week, faithful in their tithes, faithful in their offerings, faithful to give to the building program. And I'm just saying, it is so encouraging that me now, we have no debt, and we can take all of what we used to have to pay on debt and are able to do so many things. It is a blessed, wonderful thing. I'll tell you another thing that is encouraging to me in this church is the trust that I've experienced these 33 years. You know, a pastor should get a vision from God what the church is to do. Now, here's what I believe. If God gives a pastor a vision, he'll be giving some other people at least some insight in it. And then the pastor shares it with the people. And then the pastor gives people time to think and pray and, and work themselves through things. And the majority of people will say, I believe, I believe the pastor really has the vision. And I'm just saying... For 33 years, any time that I've come and said, people, I believe this is what God has put on my heart that we're to do. And the most recent of that is this very service right here. Many of you remember that Sunday in March. Little did we know we were about to be closed after that Sunday for COVID for 12 weeks. But that Sunday morning when we came out, and we had these three stools, and Jimmy and John and I sat, and I shared with the people, this is what I believe with all my heart God would have our church to do. We didn't know when it would start. We had no idea who in the world would be our worship leader. Uh, we didn't know any of that. We just had a vision from God, and we shared it with the people. And I shall never forget, in that first service, in that first service, which I wasn't sure how they would receive it, they burst out clapping. I about fell off of my stool. 
And some of them said to me later, Pastor, I'm never coming to that service y'all are going to start, but my children will, my grandchildren will, and there'll be people come to it that wouldn't come to the service like it is now. And that has been such an encouraging thing all these years. A second thing is we think about every person who is doing something for the Lord, or at least trying to, will experience discouragement. They need encouragement. God's work is often done through ordinary people. Boy, you ought to write that one down. That's most of us. Archippus, he was, he was an ordinary person. I mean, the Bible has very little to say about him. He had some role in that church. He maybe was the pastor, but he certainly was no main event person. If you made a list of main event people in the Bible, Archippus wouldn't be on the list. Even, even Timothy, compared to Paul, was not a main event person. I mean, I mean Paul, he was, he was main event. Timothy, his son in ministry, nowhere near, nowhere near. The fact of the matter is, God does most kingdom work through ordinary people. God the devil would not want you to believe that because the devil has most of us who are ordinary thinking, hey, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not the smartest, the fastest, all that. I'm just a regular old guy. Well, the Bible tells us those are the people primarily that God uses in his work. At least jot this scripture down. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you ought to just jot this down and read it later. In verses 26, I believe it is, on through about verse 29, he talks about how God does not choose the wiser, the most powerful, the most influential. No, it says no. God chooses the weaker. He chooses the less influential. Why? So he gets all the credit. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you're an ordinary person, as most of us are, that's who God primarily does his work through. And the reason that God get all the credit. See, if, if we were all celebrities, and you know, we live in a celebrity crazed day. You know, you, you can invite a celebrity to your church and you'll have a lot more people come to hear the celebrity. But everybody's enamored with celebrities. God doesn't primarily do his work through celebrities. God does his work through ordinary people. Through ordinary people that what? All it takes in God's work, and you should fill the bulletin on this, all it takes in God's work is availability, reliance on God's enabling power, and faithfulness. That's it. Just show up. Just show up. <laughs> I remember when I went to First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs. That church... I mean, everybody that's ever pastored that church was like a main event person. And I went, and I mean, you talk about ordinary. And I had some of my preacher buddies that called me right before I went to that church and said, do you realize who all the former pastors of that church have been? I said, well, yeah, I do. They said, well, what are you going to do when you get there? I said, I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up. I'm just going to show up. I'm who I am. And I'll ask God to make me a better who I am. But I'm not on that list of guys. And I used to say to that church, I'm the only ordinary guy in the history of this church to ever pastor this church. And I was. And God blessed it. He blessed it not because I was a superstar. 
He blessed it because we relied on the enabling power of God and God's people just stayed faithful. You know, uh, you, you, uh, you don't have to be a big name person. Listen to this. The only big name in God's church that matters is Jesus. That's it, Jesus. And the important thing for you personally is who Jesus is to you. I want to ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Is he your savior? Have you ever had a time in your life where you realized that you were a sinner and you placed your faith and trust in his atoning work on the cross to forgive you of your sins, repented of your sins, placed your faith and trust in him? That's what we saw so many do last Sunday. Some of you here in the room today, if, if you'll just think a moment, I mean, you, you know about Jesus but you may not know him in a personal way. And then others here today, perhaps you say, you know, I'm really confused on this. I think I'm a Christian. I think when I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm not 100% sure. I'm 90% sure. And you just keep rasping with that and rasping with that. Listen to me this morning. You can end that today. You can settle that today. So I want you to bow your heads. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you, those who would say, I, I know I need to become a Christian. I know I need to be saved. I want to encourage you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. Now, the prayer won't save you. Saying what I lead you to say won't save you. But if you mean in your heart what I lead you to pray. See, God knows your heart. You and I could be praying together. and you, I have no way of knowing. God knows your heart. And you this morning, all you have to do is admit you're a sinner, repent of your sins, place your faith and trust in Jesus, and you will know, you will know that when you die in this life, your soul will depart from your body, spend eternity with God in heaven. If you say, that's what I want to do, well, I'm encouraging you to do that. Now, the devil will discourage you to not do that. He will tell you, think about it. He will say to you something like, do it next Sunday. Or whatever. God's word says, today is a day of salvation. I'm encouraging you this morning to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. To those who are not sure, a hundred percent, you're going to live your life in confusion. You, you, if you're not sure of your salvation, you won't really do very much in kingdom work because you're not sure about yourself. The devil will find some ways to say to you, well, one day you'll get this thing settled. I'm saying to you today, today is the day for some of you to get this thing settled. So I want to lead you to pray. Lord Jesus, if you mean this, just pray it in your heart. I'm asking you now to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. I trust you to save me. I thank you that I know now where I'll spend eternity. <clears throat> For those who would say, I, you know, I've prayed a prayer like that hundreds of times. Well, <clears throat> let's pray it one time final. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, 
I settle my salvation. I'm just putting my faith and trust in you. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. Thank you today, God. I've settled this. In Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.